0: All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16 as we continue working our way through the book of John. If you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's found on page 902. And as you're turning there, I want us to begin our time by thinking about running a marathon. Difficult thing to do, the longest I've ever run in a continuous time, I once did a half marathon, 13.1 miles, that was enough for me, I didn't have to do it again because that race added a shorter version and so I'm like, bingo. But you think of a marathon, 26.2 miles, and in a statement of the obvious, to run a marathon you have to train for it. It's not something that you can just decide, you know what, this morning I'm going to run a marathon. I don't recommend that, though I will call the ambulance for you. <laughs> I went online and I found a couple tips for running a marathon. These include both stuff to do before and stuff to do during the race. Number one start small. This includes running a smaller race, like a 5K or a 10K. So the idea of having run a race before, we did this, again, when I was training for a half marathon. I had literally never run a race before. I'm not the running type. And so we tried a 5K first, just so I could understand it. They also say during training that when you're building up your mileage, you should only increase about 10% a week. So the idea is you build small by little by little. Number two, this one might be obvious, drink water. Throughout your training, stay hydrated. Also, lots of water the night before and the morning of. Eat a simple breakfast, number three. Just because you're going to be exercising a lot doesn't mean you need to hit up the breakfast buffet. Number four, start slowly. So this is within the race. You shouldn't just go off with a sprint because you cannot maintain that pace. Number five, beware mile 20. So in many people's experience, again, a, a, a marathon is 26.2 miles, and they say there's a real barrier at mile 20. 20, that there's a wall, not, not literally, come on people, but there is a wall you hit that will make you want to give up. But you're so close, comparatively. And finally, again, there's more that can be said, but for our time today, number six, run with a friend. It helps to have someone to support and talk with, especially if they are a more experienced runner. Now, I don't give these to you so, because I'm worried about your guys' lack of running races. But what I want us to see is the m- wisdom behind these pieces of advice. That to do something difficult, to do something that takes a long time, to do something that takes a lot of time and energy, it is helpful to be warned or instructed before you do it. So if you've never run a race before, knowing how you should train, knowing what you should do before you have to do it is helpful. Again, it's, it's almost too simple, but it's, it's a common pattern that you are better able to finish the race if you know what's coming. If you know ahead of time the hardship you will have to endure, the perseverance you will have to have, you will better be able to persevere. And this is the pattern that Jesus has in our text today. This idea of warning his disciples, instructing his disciples before they have to endure hardship because he wants them to finish the race of life. In our passage today, connected with last week's passage, we're going to see Jesus talk to his disciples and saying, here's what's coming, and I'm telling you so that you are able to persevere. So our big idea, if you're following along, in the outline provided in your bulletin, is this. We are warned of hardship and the promise of the Holy Spirit so that we can persevere in our faith. So let's look at John chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Follow along as I read. This is Jesus speaking. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus begins this part of the passage, and it is very much connected to last week's passage. In fact, if you have a modern Bible, you will see that there's not another sort of heading like you have throughout uh, modern Bibles. It's continued from 18 to 27, which we looked at last week. And in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 16... Jesus is going to talk to them about the purpose of what he has said so far. So you see this in verse 1. I have said all these things to you. So what did he say? For those of you who perhaps fell asleep or weren't here last week, let me summarize. I don't blame you, I understand. To summarize verses 18 to 27. Number 1. The world will hate you. That those who have rejected Christ will not be kind always to those who have trusted in Christ. Now last week when we talked about this, when we talked about the topic of persecution, we were careful to say that this applies differently to other countries and other times in history. And we need to be thankful that, in general, when we experience hate for being followers of Jesus, it usually takes the form of mockery or, honestly, just general apathy. And we're thankful that we live in a country where we're not facing the levels of persecution that have happened historically and in other parts of the world. And if you want to think more on that, you can listen to last week's sermon. Number two, the world hates the gospel. That the core message of Jesus is that all people are sinners by nature and by choice and therefore need to be saved by a Savior and that only Savior is Jesus Christ. And it is only through repentance of our sins and faith in Christ that we can be saved and reconciled back to God. And we see this back then, the controversial part of that is that Jesus was the Savior. Today, it is usually our belief that Jesus is the only Savior that is more controversial. And three, again, in summarizing last week's text, we saw that we are able to go out into a world that may hate us and may not treat us well because we have the Holy Spirit. We are not alone in our task to be his witnesses in his world. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God indwelling in us. So back to verse 1 of chapter 16. So I've said all these things, again summarized in those three points, to keep you from falling away. What does that mean? What does Jesus mean when he says falling away? It's a word picture of someone identifying with Christ in some way, identifying as a Christian in some way, but because of the hardship they experience, because of that, they leave the faith. That someone who has expressed interest of some sort in Christ or seems to be a believer, but for one reason or another, rejects Christ later in life. We're helped by Jesus' parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4 in explaining this idea of the seed getting thrown on the different types of soil In his explanation, Jesus says this, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. There is a warning that Jesus gives. To keep going, to persevere, even when it is hard. And he knows that the disciples, and we know this from history, that the disciples experience great hardship after Jesus ascends to heaven. And he knows what's coming, they don't know what's coming. And he's saying, I'm telling you these things beforehand so that you're prepared, so that you can endure. Matthew 24, 9 to 13, again, is helpful for us. This is Jesus speaking. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. As one author writes, the greatest danger the disciples will confront from the opposition of the world is not death, but apostasy. There's a warning about not finishing the race. Now, other passages of the Bible explain why this is the case. This is not an issue of out-sinning grace and sinning so much so that God cannot forgive you. That is not true at all. But the lack of perseverance, 1 John 2, 19 tells us, a lack of perseverance shows the reality of the faith of the individual. 1 John 2.19 says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And so in a related doctrine, what we see, the Bible say, is that when someone walks away and rejects a faith they claimed, the Bible would say their faith was never real in the first place. Now, since we don't know, in our understanding, whether someone is walking away for just a season, you've seen that before, maybe many of you have done that. There was a time when you were younger where you walked away from the faith and you have since come back. We don't know the future. We don't know if someone will eventually come back or we don't know if someone is leaving for forever from the faith. And in one sense, it doesn't matter because our call is still the same. To warn, to call people to persevere, to be like Jesus here and say... Even when hardship comes, persevere in your faith. Keep going. Finish the race. Because the hardship of the race is worth it when we consider the prize. Jesus is telling his disciples in John chapter 16, verses 1 to 4, don't stop running. Don't give up. Again, I mentioned earlier hitting mile 20, hitting that wall and not wanting to go any further. Many of you have experienced that in your life. Those experiences, those circumstances that wrecked you. You had a choice do I blame God or do I continue to follow? Do I give up on Jesus or do I persevere? Jesus is saying, keep going, keep running. And he's warning this so that we know. How many times has something hurt you more because you didn't see it coming? The child who dies... We're not prepared for that because that's not naturally how things work. It hits us even harder because we're not prepared. Jesus is doing the opposite here. He's saying, look, when hardship comes and it will come, be prepared. And when you're prepared, you can keep going. And he warns, and he warns them because there truly is Hardship waiting for these disciples. And we, by extension, will also go through our own versions of hardship. So let's look at verses 2 to 3 of chapter 16. Here we see the reason for the warning. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. In verses 2 and 3, Jesus gives what I would call sort of the worst case scenarios. But for the original disciples, these things literally happened. Now, we've already seen when we looked at John chapter 9, we see someone get kicked out of a synagogue for following Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a second. But we also see, even in the Bible, That there was persecution done because people thought they were offering service to God. The Apostle Paul, before he converted to Christianity. We read multiple times, Acts chapter 8, Philippians chapter 3, Galatians verse 1, that he persecuted Christians because of his religious ideals that even before the Bible is finished written, we see a fulfillment of what Jesus has said here. And we've seen throughout history that this pattern comes up again and again. Again, we're very thankful that it has not happened here. But there are parts of the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who are killed because of their faith, and the people who kill them do believe they are offering service to God. But I think we can connect more with being put out of the synagogue. The synagogue in Jesus' culture was the center of the community. And to be kicked out of the synagogue was to really be ostracized from the community. it was to be kicked out of the community network, the safety net of that time. And that is something where we can see, and we have seen, people's families or communities who sort of push them to the margins because of their faith. That because of belonging to Christ, we see people be rejected from their larger community. It's a cost of following Jesus that we have to be ready for. Again, it does not happen a lot, thankfully. And we see this happen more in countries where Christianity is not seen as the majority religion. But there is still for us of being prepared, of giving up the safety of our community for following Jesus. To give up our reputation or our place in that community for following Jesus. There may come a time when your faith will be costly, relationally and community-wise. And Jesus is warning you ahead of time so that you're prepared so that you can persevere. Jesus concludes in verse 4 by sort of doubling down on the warning. Let's look at verse 4. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes you may remember that I told them to you. The people who deal with hardship or crisis best are those who know what they would do in a crisis before the crisis happens. I mean, you think about, i mean that, that's at the essence of any training we do. You think of people who are trained uh, to be EMTs or to be firefighters. They're training so that when The terrible thing happens. They're not losing their mind. I mean, can you imagine an EMT not ready to help revive someone because they're so freaked out and they just run away? Jesus is saying, I'm telling you these things so that when it happens, you'll be ready. Jesus tells the disciples to be prepared hardship so that they won't implode when the hardship comes and for us and again whatever that looks like in our lives hardship can take many forms are we going to be caught off guard and knocked off balance or Are we going to persevere in following Jesus even when it's difficult? I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus has told us. And so we can be prepared, and when we're prepared, we can persevere. A couple points of application to close us up this morning. Number one, we must persevere in our faith. Again, the picture of a marathon runner. There is a finish line. And like a marathon runner, we must finish the race of Faith. We must actively pursue Christ and push through the hardships that we will face, and we must not wilt in the face of hardship. There's a grit and a toughness we can have when we are prepared. Number two, related to that, don't be surprised by hardship. I think this is one of the most dangerous things is, is this lie that if I follow Jesus, I will never have any problems again. <laughs> or if I'm a good person, people will always treat me right. We cannot be so naive. We are fallen and broken people living in a fallen and broken world with other fallen and broken people. It's really not a question of if, it's a question of when and what form. So be prepared. Don't let it surprise you. Take seriously what God has said in his word. And that, thirdly, remember what Jesus has said. And in particular, I want to highlight what he said at the end of last week's passage. That specifically, we need to remember Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit to guide, support, and lead us. And again, going back to those marathon tips, we run with a friend. And not just any friend, we run with the Spirit of God who lives in us that the Holy Spirit is running your race of faith with you. And so through his power, through his guidance and his leadership, we can persevere through any hardship and pain. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this, this warning that we can expect hardship but knowing that knowing what would be we can persevere by being prepared. God we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who empowers us who guides us and leads us and supports us so that we do not run this race of faith alone. And that by the power of the Spirit, we can finish the race and hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. God, that we would seriously understand your word this morning we would remember what you had said, and that we would persevere till the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.